turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 2. We'll read verses 1 to 10. 1 Samuel chapter 2. We've begun a new series now through 1 Samuel. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you, for there is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty, the bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who are full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who are hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven hunger. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. And may God add his richest blessing to the reading of this portion of his holy word. Will you pray with me, please? Our Father, we again thank you for your word. We thank you that you have spoken to us. We thank you that your word testifies to your Son, Jesus Christ. And we pray that by the power of your Spirit that we would see him and hear him and be drawn to him in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. None like the Lord. There are so many practical lessons that we can learn from Hannah. We could have a series of studies on how to deal with conflict, discouragement, relationships, marital tensions, bitterness, and broken dreams, all from the story of Hannah in the first chapter of 1 Samuel. But while that might be helpful, it would miss the forest for the trees. But let's think about Hannah's situation. She's already brokenhearted over not having a child. And her husband's other wife rubs it in. The other wife, Penina, is bitter because the husband, Elkanah, loves Hannah more. And so Penina lashes out poking that tender area in Hannah's life and making her bitter. And this comes to a head as they make their annual trip up to Shiloh 
to the tabernacle to worship the Lord. How do you deal with bitterness? Bitterness brought on by your own family. Your church family. Hannah couldn't get to the tabernacle without this person who was making her miserable. Maybe you can't get to church without somebody who's making you miserable. How do you deal with it? Hannah takes it to the Lord. She does not return evil for evil. She goes to the temple and pours out her soul before God. She does not let her circumstances, her conflict, her adversaries pull her down to their level. She takes it to the Lord. And now that the Lord has heard her and helped her, given her the child for which she prayed, she praises the Lord. This passage is Hannah's psalm of praise, her prayer of gratitude to the Lord. And the theme of this song is that there is none, not one, like the Lord. And while it would be practical, useful, perhaps more interesting to you, to take Hannah as a model for how we are to deal with life like our God. Notice three times in verse 2 that Hannah says there is none like him. There is none holy like the Lord. There is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. We sang those words this morning. Only thou art holy. There is none beside thee. Perfect in power, in love, and purity. Holy. That is set apart, separated, untainted, unsullied, impure. He alone is the standard of perfection. He alone is worthy of worship and devotion. And there is no other God. She says, there is none besides you. To worship any so-called God other than the God who has revealed himself in Scripture is plain idolatry. And there is no rock like our God. Rock. Strength. Stability. Protection. Solid, firm foundation. All other ground is sinking sand. Three months ago, we had the lowest unemployment in the history of America. Today, we have the highest unemployment since the Great Depression. There is only one true rock you can build a life upon, build your hope upon, because only the Lord does not change. All else may be solid today, but it can wash out 
in an instant. But God and God alone never changes from everlasting to everlasting. You see the incomparability of God. Secondly, in this passage, we see the justice of God. Look at verse 3. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who are full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who are hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren is born seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. Now she says that the Lord is a God of knowledge and he weighs actions. He holds the eternal scales of justice and nothing is hidden from him. You remember hundreds of years after Hannah when Judah was captive in Babylon and King Belshazzar at his drunken orgy mocked the Lord of Israel. And then there appeared a hand and wrote on the wall. And the proud king's knees began to knock in fear. And he lost control of his functions. And they found Daniel and brought him in to interpret the writing on the wall. And you remember, said, you are weighed in the balances and found wanting. And that very night, the king was killed and the Medes took his kingdom. There is a God who will weigh us all in the balances. He knows all things and he will judge all actions with perfect, relentless justice. So what should I do? If I know that God knows everything about me, he sees all, he holds the scales of justice, and he will weigh all my actions. What should I do? I better humble myself. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge. And by him actions are weighed. Verses 4 and 5, she says, The Lord takes down the strong and helps the weak. He fills the hungry and takes away from the full. He gives children to the barren and takes away from the mother of seven. Now she's not saying that God is the enemy of the rich and the friend of the poor. 
She's saying that God will finally make everything right. A lot of rich and powerful people throughout the history of the world have been terribly corrupt. A lot of good people have been impoverished. But God will take care of that in his own time. You know, the psalmist Asaph struggled with watching the wicked prosper in the world while he tried to follow the Lord. The wicked people got richer than he did. It perplexed him. It challenged his faith. His faith. One point he started to wonder, have I been wasting my time following God? The wicked are doing better than I am. They're making out better. But then, finally, he said, or as a great catcher 70 years ago said, it ain't over till it's over. And it ain't over yet. So humble yourself. You see the incomparability of God, the justice of God. Thirdly, in this passage, we see the power of God. Look at verse 6. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor the world for the feet of his but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness, for not by might shall a man prevail. This is what the Lord has the power to do. He has the power to kill, but even more, he has the power to raise into the world. She said God could raise the dead. He has the power to raise a man out of the dunghill, out of the ash heap, and put him on a throne. He made the world his power. He has the power to protect his people where human might cannot prevail. That's the power of God. We see the power of God. And fourthly and finally, in this passage, we see the anointed of God. The anointed of God. Look at verse 10. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointing. Now, if you got your Bible and you're looking there at the end of Hannah's song there at the end of verse 10, some have said that that last little bit of verse 10 must have been tacked on years after Hannah. Because it mentions the king. You see that? It says he will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointing. And Israel did not have a king at that time. But the truth is, there was already the 
idea of a future king way back when God first started the nation of Israel with Abraham. And then when God gave the laws of Israel to Moses, he gave laws for when they had a king. And from what we read of the anarchy in those days in which Hannah lived, there was a likely expectation of a king to be raised up and get things under some level of control. So I don't think someone came in and added something into the Bible hundreds of years later. Hannah really said this. God would raise up a king who would make things right. Notice in verse 1 that Hannah opens this song by saying that her horn is exalted in the Lord. And then at the very end of this psalm in verse 10, the end of verse 10, she says that the Lord will exalt the horn of his anointed. Now that was a symbol of a weapon back then. It's like she's saying at the beginning, the Lord will raise my sword for me. And then at the end, she says he will raise his king's sword. This seemingly insignificant woman says the same thing of herself and of the great king of Israel that she expects. What's the connection? The great Old Testament interpreter of our time Dr. Dale Ralph Davis says, The saving help the Lord gave Hannah is a foretaste, a scale model demonstration of how he will do it when he does it in grand style. Hannah said the Lord was the only rock. He alone is unchangeable, solid. God never changes. He is thoroughly consistent in all his ways. He brings low and he exalts, she says. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make him sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. So the scripture says from beginning to end that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. He that exalteth himself will be abased. God will throw him down. But the one who humbleth himself will be exalted. We see this principle at work with Hannah. Attacked, opposed, demoralized, and helpless. 
She humbled herself before God. And God lifted her up. And on an infinitely larger scale, but in just the same way, the Lord exalted His anointed King who had humbled Himself. These words of Hannah, they come back a thousand years later. The Blessed Virgin Mary says much the same words as Hannah when she is expecting her firstborn son in Luke chapter 1. Hannah would give birth to the boy who would grow up and anoint kings. But Mary gave birth to the one true, eternal, anointed king. Hannah's song is a word about the great king, the anointed Christ of God, who was to come. And we read that our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was in the form of God, humbled himself all the way down to the cross. And therefore, God has highly exalted him. You see the pattern. God exalts those who humble themselves before him. Hannah saw a connection between what would happen to the great king and what was happening to her in her life circumstances. Our king was exalted for us. And we will be exalted with him. See, this is why it's actually more relevant to talk about the Lord than just how to deal with the life situations. You know, Hannah prayed for a child and she got a child. But we may not get our prayers answered just like Hannah did. Some ladies pray for decades and never have a child. Some folks are persecuted like Hannah was and pray and pray and it never lets up. And if you're in that circumstance, there's still a message for you. That God has done something that finally solves it all. He gave the king. He gave his son. That all who trust him will be raised and exalted with him. And that will be true forever. Whatever happens in the meantime. This is the Lord. It's who he is. It's what he does. And there is none 
like him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.